Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So, uh, the news is that Canada's economy stalled, you know that, second quarter. This according to StatScan. So what does this mean to the average Canadian, and what does it mean to the economic outlook? Were we expecting it? Are we surprised? And then there was the story about uh, CIBC reporting that there's a one million undercount of Canadian residents, a million people undercounted. What does that mean to our economy? What does it mean to the housing crisis? Um, what does it mean to the national and provincial economies? And then BC Premier E.B. has called on the Bank of Canada to end raising interest rates. So what's the most likely scenario for the Canadian economy over the next 12 months and how might Canadians prepare? We're joined by Professor Eric Cam, macroeconomics professor at Toronto Metropolitan University, our equal to guy on the economy. Please, Eric, answer all of that in 30 seconds. Well, actually, what I'd like to do is back up for a second and tell you about a story you might really appreciate. And I don't think I appreciated it until this morning, which was about five years ago. I was in Fort Lauderdale with my friend, and we were just driving around aimlessly. And I said, what's that? That place looks like fun. And he said, that's actually Jimmy Buffett's bar. He owns a bar. And I said, oh, cool. Let's go check out Jimmy Buffett's bar. We got there, and lo and behold, Jimmy Buffett's playing. Oh, no kidding. And he played for about 90 minutes, uh, a good chunk of his songs. People sang along. People were drinking and having fun. And to be honest with you, I never really, really, I never thought about it too much until this morning when I realized I was never going to do it again. And I'm just really lucky that I had that 90-minute experience in my life. Yes, you are. And, and you know, I, I like I said earlier, I became a Jimmy Buffett fan the first time I heard Come Monday. I always wanted to go and see him in person. I always wanted to go down to Key West, but I never made it, and I'm so sorry. I, mean, I could have done it. I just didn't do it. But he also, I found out this morning, had great family ties in Canada, Newfoundland and Nova Scotia, Newfoundland particularly. Didn't know that. I, I'm like you. I, I, I've learned more about Jimmy Buffett in the last four or five hours than I knew in my uh, my whole life. I had the, uh, the luxury this morning of being up at 4 a.m. As you know, I got my daughter off at Queen's University. So, Are you crying? The, um, no comment. But in all of the downtime, I, uh, I've been able to listen to stories about Jimmy Buffett. And you know what? I know that my 90 minutes doesn't make a whole life, but he kind of was what he said he was. He just looked relaxed, and he wore his comfortable button-down jerseys with the parrots on them, and he, you could just tell he was a genuine article, and we're losing way too many, Roy. Rest in peace. Yeah, it's pretty cool when millions of people like you, but the critics don't. <laughs> the music critics had no time for Jimmy Buffett, but the rest of us, we parrot heads. And that, by the way, uh, that term came about during a concert in Ohio when Timothy B. Schmidt, who was one of his uh, band members, noticed everybody. So I had been noticing over some period of time that Buffett fans at the concert were wearing parrots, parrot hats and parrot paraphernalia, and he said, they're all parrot heads. And there it was born. And there you go, and he was a legend, and, you know, Come Monday was one of his best songs. And yes, sir. And Monday we have an interest rate announcement. I'm trying to make my segues better. And I don't know what's going to happen, Roy. I think it's 50-50. Until about a day ago, I thought they were going to raise rates 0.25 one more time, and that still wouldn't shock me. But, you know, nobody should be surprised at what they're seeing now, Roy. I mean, you can only, uh, you know, you can only step on something so many times before you eventually hurt it. And we've brought the prime up from 0.25 to 5 in a ridiculously 
um, uh, low number of guns. And so eventually, it's just eventually, if economics work, then consumption and investment, spending by households and firms, has to fall, and now it has. So now, you know, I don't get too bent out of shape, Roy, because the fall in GDP, they're saying things like 0.2%. Well, guess what? That, that's a rounding error. That's pretty close to zero. But the point is, they wanted real GDP to stop growing. Real GDP has stopped growing. And we know that if it stops growing for two consecutive quarters, then we have to use that R word that no one likes to use. I don't mean the former name of my university. I mean the other one. So I think we've got to be, you know, we always say we've got to be careful. Now we are where the Bank of Canada wanted us to be. They wanted the rise in gross domestic product to stop for a while to bring prices down even more. Here we are. What's going to happen on Wednesday? I really think this one's a coin toss. Okay. So, Eric, here's a question I wanted to ask you for some period of time. And I never did. And I I don't know why. It was just kind of floated around in my head. Never quite made it to my mouth. And I'm not an economist, so don't please don't think of me as being uninformed. I'm reasonably informed, but I don't know much about economics, as uh, as, <laughs> as my life journey would tell you. Um, but would there have been uh, uh, would it have been a plan, a possibility for the Bank of Canada to not so incrementally raise the interest rate if they really wanted to put the brakes on the economy or the spending, uh, overheated economy? Would it have been possible to do like a 1% or 2% hike at one go, or would that just be catastrophic? No, not really catastrophic. The Bank of Canada, to be honest, Roy, not to deflect the question, the Bank of Canada can do whatever the heck it wants. It's the, it's the central bank of our country. They can go 0.25 at a time. They could have gone right up to five at once and, and really seen, you know, the you-know-what uh, hit the fan. They've just decided that they were going to go on a slow, almost linear pace. And I don't have a problem with the linear pace. I have a problem with how upward sloping that linear pace was. I think that it is, it is homeowners and renters and people that feed children that have really taken it on the chin with respect to the speed of what they've done. I'm, I'm on the record. I am not opposed to raising the rate. They had to if they were ever going to bring down the inflation rate. We've got to get back to price stability. My criticism is on the speed. I'm afraid that you have far too many people far too close to insolvency because of the speed of this, Roy. If we get another, was it 0.25 hike in the interest rate, is that going to be noticed? Is it going to depress people? Will it, will it push people to uh, actions they maybe shouldn't take? What exactly would that mean? Never mind to the big institutions, but the, to the people... Like like me and, and you know those of us who look at our bank accounts and say, crying out loud, there should be more money in there. And that's way too many Canadians, Roy. And that's actually what this is all about. You know, you often hear people on that side of the uh, the aisle, the banks, and, and and people saying, you know, point two five isn't that big a deal. Point two five is a huge deal. And for some people, it can be the difference between what they can and just can no longer pay. For some people, it can hit, put you onto what's called the trigger rate, where you're no longer paying any principal on your mortgage. And this is why I would implore the Bank of Canada now just to really to put a hold on things. The calendar year, hard to believe, is almost over. You've already raised it 10 times in a ridiculously short period of time. And what I don't want to see, long-winded as I am, is just said before the break, and by the way, thanks, I'm the farthest thing from, uh, from brilliant, that you have scaringly 
too many people that can't raise $500, finally too many people who are $200 away from insolvency, and do we really want them to push the rest of the people right off the cliff? Because as I pointed out before, not to be too repetitive, four out of five mortgages in Canada have not been renegotiated since the rate increases. And there, you know, I said it before, blood in the streets. This is the blood in the street scenario. What are we going to do when, when 80% of the countries starts to renegotiate their mortgage and you just keep pushing that number higher and higher? I don't think it's sustainable. I, I'm not sure it's sustainable now, but I know that as a start, as a start, we have to keep the rate where it is. Yeah, just give people a little bit of a sense of uh, optimism. You know, when David Eby says uh, to the Bank of Canada, Premier of BC, please don't raise the interest rate again. He's saying what you've said. He's saying it differently. But I like what you said. I like the metaphor. So if you raise the interest rate again, you're going to push, maybe stampede some of the people who have a few bucks in their bank account, like me. Um, I'm not too unhappy with my bank account anyway, but I'm telling you, it could be better. Um, but, so, so, but, but then they start to move toward the cliff, and they push people over who are at the edge, and we do not want that. That's a great metaphor. So what about the CIBC report, Eric? One million undercount of residents in Canada. What's the impact on the national economy, the provincial economies, and let's go for it, from the housing crisis? Well, first of all, I'd like to know how, how this came about. I mean, this is quite a massive oversight. This isn't, uh, this isn't forgetting to move the decimal point, you know, one, this is a big, big number. It is a big number. And, and what I don't like is the fear-mongering, right? I mean, talk about the housing crisis. Sure, I'm going to make the housing crisis worse. It can make a lot of things worse. But it also, the number one thing it makes worse is that the economy does not need any more negative expectations. Because one of the things we haven't discussed are the rule of negative expectations, which make everything a little bit worse. And so you have CIBC, who, trust me, they're not too worried about much, they come out and they say, well, we have, we've underreported by a million people. That's a million mouths to feed, a million people we have to, to house and clothe. And I'm just, I'd like to know the motivation for why this report, why now? Because, you know, it's almost, I don't want to say obvious, but it, it's going to exacerbate every problem in the economy. So my question is to CIBC, why now, what for, and what did you have to gain by letting this out? Because this is a bank and they don't do things that aren't part of their profit maximization function. Yeah, why now? I, I remember doing an interview, I think it was two years ago, with uh, the vice president for thought at RBC. And they had just put out a, a 22, I think it's 22-page report on the road to net zero. And there was a line in that report that got my attention. And I asked about it. The other stuff was interesting, but this line got me. And the line was, Canadians are going to have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Hello? What exactly, and I mean exactly, underscored, italics, and bold, what does that mean? Canadians are going to have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Specifics, please. I didn't get any. It's rhetoric. It is absolutely political and economic rhetoric to say that we are a long, long way away from economic stability. Things are going to get much worse before they get better. And that's almost cryptically telling the population to hold on to your hat. And as someone who doesn't worry about the banks because I don't care, I worry about people that want to house and feed their families, those types of messages, along with the IBC's message, 
What are you trying to do? Who are you trying to scare and why? Yeah. By the way, don't send me any packages. I'm fine. I mean, sometimes say things and then people send me like gifts and I mean, you send me gifts if you want, but don't really need them. Hey, one final thought here, Pop. You're, uh, you're, you're, you said you just dropped your daughter off at university. Are you, are you crying? Um, I kind of got that out of my system on the way here. Uh, it didn't help when she started. Listen, it's a tremendous day. It's one of those days that as a parent, you dream about. And, you know, 19 years ago when Nurse Jamie said, hey, it's a Sydney. And I looked at my wife and she looked at me and we're like, wow, we have this baby girl. Um, you know this day is coming. Um, and you, at the same time, you celebrate it and you dread it. And I just, I looked at her this morning and I said, to be blunt, this is costing a fortune. Earn it, enjoy it, and you get out of it what you put into it, so put in a lot. Now you're a good guy. You're a good dad, you're a good family man, you're a good guy, and you're a great economist. Thank you, Dr. Eric Cam. Thank you, Roy. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 